I can't tell you how many wonderful testimonies I heard this morning and last week about God's power doing things in people's lives. How many of you has God done something great for you over the last month? Raise your hand. Listen, some t- look around, people. Take a look. If you're even a little down, realize something. You're next. You're next. A delay is not a denial. Remember that. God sometimes chooses to do things in his time, and he just wants us to believe. So let's just pray right now. Heavenly Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus, first of all, for that beautiful couple and their beautiful child, for their family. We welcome them here to Grace Church. We welcome all the other first-time visitors. We pray more than anything that you hear from God today and that it changes your life. That's all that matters to us. We pray that anyone came in here today doesn't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, doesn't know that he died on the cross and that his blood covers their sin, that they can live eternally with him by putting their faith in him. If anyone is here today that has never put their faith in him, we pray more than anything else that that happens this morning. We pray if you came in with a physical or a financial mountain in your life, that that mountain be removed today. We pray if you came in here depressed, oppressed, maybe feeling empty or lonely or losing heart and losing hope, we pray that you would take the anchor of hope from the Word of God and hold on because something good is coming your way. So we pray, God, speak through me in spite of my faults. Father, speak to your people, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Look at the person next to you and say, you look great today. You may have ran three miles yesterday, but you look good today. You should be in the movies. You look so good. Hallelujah. Do you know just one kind word can change the atmosphere of a room, of a church, of a family, of a city, of a state, of a country, of a marriage? One positive word can change everything. And we've been talking about God's power, and today we're going to talk about just believing God. Because believing God opens up a world of possibilities. We're going to turn to Mark chapter 9, one of my favorite passages in Scripture. It's from Mark 9. It's also found in Matthew and in Luke. But I like the account in Mark the best because it gives more detail. But here's a man who has a son who's foaming at the mouth, who's having seizures, who seems to be controlled and is controlled by a spirit that isn't of God. Some of you might have teenagers like that. Amen. (laughs) And he brings them to Jesus' disciples. Jesus is on the mountain. And uh, the mountain of transfiguration. He comes down. He sees a lot of tumult. And it comes up to verse 22 because they brought this young man to the disciples who had been casting out demons, who had the authority and power bestowed on them by Jesus, but for some reason, they couldn't deal with this teenager. And that's why I say, if you have a teenager, you can't deal with them, bring them to (laughs) Friday night and say, here, (laughs) we've tried everything. But, you know, it's true. I've seen teens brought to the youth group, and over time, you see a change until all the foaming at the mouth has stopped. 
And now they're praying and worshiping. We, we made a big room downstairs. Now we're going to have a stage down there. Why? Because the youth and the college and career are not just going to go and sit down. They're going to have a worship band up there. And they are going to worship the Lord. And they are going to transform this church. Because revival starts with the young people. Amen? And we're already having it. Amen? <laughs> so they couldn't do it. So then Jesus says, oh, perverse and unbelieving generation, how long do I got to put up with this? Bring them to me. And truthfully, when you get to the point of no return, you got to bring them to Jesus. Because many times we bring them to the doctor, we bring them to the counselor, we bring them to this, we bring them to the stockbroker, we bring it to the end. We haven't brought it to Jesus. See, people will disappoint you. We will disappoint you. Bringing somebody to the past, one of the pastors or to one of the leaders of the church is a good idea. Praise God. Or to your friend who's a strong Christian, you know, that's wonderful. But you know what? There's always the potential for people to disappoint you. That's why Jesus said, I don't put my trust in people. But at the same time, don't judge God by the way you judge people. Because his love, what? Never fails. So he brings them to Jesus and then he says this. And I love this guy. He's honest. He's not being religious. He says to Jesus, he's already seen Jesus' disciples fail. And sometimes when you see people that are Christians, you see failure in your life, you apply that to God. You forget that they're imperfect. God is perfect. All things are possible with God. Don't judge possibilities by the possibilities of people. Only by him. So he says, by watching them, he comes to Jesus, the Son of God, and says, if you can do anything. And you know, sometimes we get to that point. Like, there's so much not working that we even come to God with the attitude, hey, God, if you could do something, please help us. But at least it's being honest. And he says, and Jesus says to him, I mean, he could have said, if I can do something? Do you know who you're talking to? No, he had compassion on the man and his son. And he has compassion on those who are real and open and honest. And he said, listen, if you can believe. In other words, he didn't just say, okay, bring him, I'll heal him. He opened him up to even more. He said, if you can believe, not just your son's healing, but all things are possible to him who believes. What can God do? What can you believe? What can God do? What can you believe? If there's anything that I can help you do today, it would be to expand your believing, increase your faith. Capability, people, is not the issue with God. He's capable of doing anything. He waited four days and let Lazarus die before he came for the, for the family that he loved the most on earth. It, it's the only story where it says that Jesus literally loved this whole family. And he waited for Lazarus to die. But then he came and raised him from the dead because you know what? All things are possible. And sometimes, even when it just seems like it, it's to the point of no return, if you can believe, God can do it. Capability is not the is not the issue.
I'm not talking about believing in people. I'm talking about believing in him and what he can do. Some of you are facing stuff. You've talked to doctors. You've talked to lawyers. You've talked to financial advisors. You've talked to psychiatrists and counselors. Listen, they can help, but he can do it. They can help, but he can do it. There's nothing, nothing that he can't do. Mark eleven twenty three. Jesus said, I surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and doesn't doubt in his heart, but believes that those things that he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. If he doesn't doubt in his heart. This man here was struggling with doubt in his heart. But the most important thing he did was he said it. If you can do anything, be honest with God. Listen, there's tons of Christians out there and in here and in here <laughs> that speak a good game. But inside our heart, we don't really believe. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me. I'm talking about us. No matter how good we look in church, no matter how much scripture we confess, no matter how much mountain-moving talk we make, many times we don't really believe what we're saying. Jesus said that doesn't doubt in his heart, but believes what he says, it will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore, I'm telling you, when you pray, believe that you receive and you will have. How many of you are praying for something and you don't have it yet? But what is, so what is Jesus saying here? He's saying believe, the word receive is the word to take hold of. Believe you've taken hold of it where? In the spirit. And then, you will have it. Now, sometimes prayers answer instantly. But did you ever pray for healing and not have it right away, but then had it later? If not, many colds would have killed you. Did you ever pray for a loved one to come to know Jesus Christ? It didn't happen right away, but years later it did. But, some, but how many of you prayed for something, you knew you had it, but it, it took a little time, but then you had it? and you didn't waver, and you didn't doubt. You know, sometimes you just know. I remember early on in my Christian life, I was on the train platform. I saw a woman walk up to the platform. And the Lord said to me, he said, that is your wife right there. And I believed it. I didn't talk to her that day, okay? But I saw her six months later on the train with her little head sleeping on the train. I said, there she is. There's my wife. And I walked by her. Three months later, you all know the story. She chased me. She picked me up. You know the story. It's the truth. I'm in church. I wouldn't lie. I wouldn't lie in church. You know how aggressive she is. She gets what she wants. But do you know, I told my family, it's in my book that's coming out very soon. I told my family, I said, I saw my wife today. And it was nine months later that we actually spoke. 
But I knew it. I never doubted it for a second. I thought who I was, you know. <laughs> but I never doubted it. Did you ever get a word that you just, you knew? That you knew? He said, if you say to a mountain, move, it will be moved. And that mountain in Zechariah chapter 4 talks about Zerubbabel. I'm just messing with Pastor Kevin. It talks about, <laughs> I was so tired this morning, I forget what I called them, but <laughs> Z-Man. <laughs> it says, where are you, O great mountain? Before Z-Man, you shall become a plain. God was saying, this mountain that was in Z's way was about to disappear. God was talking spiritually about what was going to happen physically because there was a mountain of rubble and he had to rebuild the temple. And, and, and many times you're looking to rebuild things in your life, but there's a mountain. You know, some of you are trying to rebuild your marriage and there's a mountain of unforgiveness or rebuild a relationship and there's a mountain of hurt or rebuild your finances and there's a mountain of debt or rebuild your health and there's a mountain of bad eating and bad decisions. But I'm here to tell you, you can say to that mountain, be moved! And it will be cast where? Into the sea. Why in the sea? So you can't see it anymore. And he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace. And why can we have that? Because of God's grace. Because he loves us and he favors us. Jesus didn't say that just so we could have a song. I will say to the mountain, move, move over mountain. You don't know that one? Uh, yeah, I will say to the mountain, get out of my way, because I believe. If you've never sang that song, you need to sing it. Tell the mountain to get out of your way because you believe. You speak it, and you believe it, and eventually it moves. You speak it, you believe it. Why? Because God favors you, and then it moves. Some of you have a financial mountain in your life. You need to start saying, get out of my way. Get out of my way. Because I'm progressing forward. Some of you in your marriage, it's a mountain of Trouble, a mountain of unbelief, a mountain of unforgiveness, a mountain of hurt. Instead of trying to take one stone off by one, why not just get out of my way? Because I believe that God wants us together. That's it. You could make a mountain move in a second. I didn't speak to my mom for 27 years. One phone call she gave and a mountain was moved. Listen, that mountain can be moved if you'll open your mouth. Luke 137 says this, because nothing is impossible with God. Let me ask you a question. What's impossible with God? Say it. Nothing. All right, close your eyes right now. What do you see? Nothing. Nothing, <laughs> nothing is impossible for God. See, we can use words like always and never and nothing and everything when it comes to God because his love never fails. 
with God, nothing would be impossible. This was an angel telling Mary, listen, you haven't slept with your husband, but the Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you, and your old relative Elizabeth, who's way past childbearing age, she's going to have a kid too. Mary was like, how could this be? And the angel said, because nothing is impossible with God. So don't tell me that a drug dealer can't work on Wall Street because nothing is impossible for God. And don't tell me a marriage full of unforgiveness and hurt and people living in different homes, don't tell me they can't come together because nothing is impossible for God. And don't tell me if you have stage four cancer that you can't be healed because nothing is impossible for God. Nothing. Matthew 19, 26, Jesus said, with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Amen. Matthew 19, 26, what was he talking about? They said, Jesus, if it's so hard for a rich man and somebody who's doing right to get saved, then who can be saved? Jesus said, with men it's impossible. There's nothing we can do to be saved. It's impossible. But with God and his grace, all things are possible. Look at the person next to you. At one time, if they put their faith in Jesus, they were an impossible. Yeah. Look at that white boy next to you, right? I only call them white boy because that's what Jamie calls them. You know, you know, white boy and a Cuban female together. It's just an amazing mix. But I remember Jamie started coming to Grace Church. She was, she, was in, um, she was in Panera. And she overheard my wife and someone else speaking about things of God. And she said, wow, what church do you go to? I need to get back because she's a pastor's kid, just like Sarah. <laughs> Sarah Crawford, she's a pastor's kid. And we have six of them, and they can be very difficult. <laughs> Not you, Jamie. <laughs> or Sarah, or all my kids. Anyway, she comes to church, and we start just, you know, where's your husband? Ah, he's home. Started praying, believing. Next thing you know, white boy's in church. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because all things are possible. How many of you were once impossibles? <laughs> and you're still sometimes like, is it really true? <laughs> I'm in church? How many of you, your friends, when you say you're going to church, they're like, what? Come on. Be honest. They're like, you? You're in church? The building's still intact? <laughs> With God, all things are possible. Now listen. Listen. Many people will take this too far, you know, I'll believe and I'll receive and I'll say to the mountain, move, and when I pray, if I ask God, there's nothing impossible for him, so I would like a big house tomorrow. <laughs> or I would like a, you know, Lamborghini in my garage next week, because all things are possible. Well, it's true, because we're people, we, we get a little exaggerated, but you know what, if it's God's will for you to have it, guess what, you will. You know, a, a preacher who I, I love to listen to, you know, he, he needs a new jet, you know, and it happens to be $65 million. Guess what? So be it. If he's going to get it in and preach the gospel around the world, 
Why should these billionaires who are doing nothing with their money have it and not some pastor? But you have to be careful. Don't cast your pearl before swine. It's true. I mean, people don't understand it. They don't, you know? So if you guys want to buy me a jet, that's fine. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, gosh. I just lost two or three people. It's going to be fine. <laughs> Mark 14, 36, because the all things are these all things. Mark 14, 36. Jesus said, Father, God, all things are possible to you. So here we have it again. All things are possible for God, aren't they? But then he says this, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. It's what God's will is for you. Those are the things. Those are the all things. Let me ask you a question. Is it God's will for you to prosper? Okay. I'm going to qualify that word. My definition of prosper is to advance, to make progress. Is it his will for you to make progress in your life? Is, I mean, maybe you don't think it is. Maybe you think God wants you to stop in your tracks and, and die right now. I mean, I mean, that's what some Christians are acting like. Let me ask you that again. I mean, this is a valid question. And don't say yes unless you really mean it. Do you believe that God wants you to prosper or make progress in your life? Okay. Does he want you to make progress in your health? Yes. Or does he want you to sit home and just eat cheese doodles all day? What, does he want you to? There's nothing wrong with cheese doodles. Just all day would be bad. Does he want you to make progress yes. health-wise? Does he want you to make progress in your marriage? Yes. Or does he want you guys to fight all day? No. So what's wrong with us? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding, huh? We don't fight all day, only when I start one, which is every day, all day. No. <laughs> he wants us to advance in our marriage and make progress in our marriage. Does he want us to make pro progress in our careers? Does he want us to make progress in our ministries? Does he want us to make progress financially? Yes. <laughs> yes, he does. He wants us to make progress. So when we pray... We pray for progress. We pray for a promotion. We pray for a healthier body. We pray for a better marriage. We pray for our kids. We pray for our church. We pray for our ministries. And we believe that that is God's will for our lives. And guess what we will have? It! Because... That's his will. You can never go wrong if you're praying God's will in your life. He's not a man that lies. Don't waver in your heart. Don't doubt. But see, things will wear on you. Things will wear on you. And when you start out believing, there are times where you come to a point where you forgot what you believe in God for. You forgot everything that he wants for you. Well, then go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 12 and see this. We haven't received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. We have the Holy Spirit. 
And Jesus said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. Okay, he's going to be a parakletos, which means he's, he's going to be somebody that comes alongside of you and speaks to you and calls out to you. And what is he going to tell you? The things that have been given to us by God. When you hear a voice telling you what God wants to take from you or the mistakes you've made or how you don't deserve it, all these different things, how you're not good enough to be fearful, to worry, that is not the voice of the Holy Spirit, ladies and gentlemen. The voice of the Holy Spirit is the voice that says, listen, God has given you peace. God has given you joy. God has given you health. God has given you financial freedom. God has given you a wonderful family. God has given you a great marriage. God has given you great kids. Even though they're teenagers right now, it doesn't seem that way. God has given you a great church. God has given you a great pastor. God... And I'll stop right there. <laughs> yeah, but Pastor Joe, sometimes things just don't seem to be going my way. Things don't seem to be going. I hear people say that all the time. Things aren't going my way. Well, who's in control of your life? Things or you? And who, who do you worship things? Do you trust things or do you trust him who's in control of the things? Because all things are subject to him. I don't know. So I think about Jairus. Look at Jairus, Mark chapter 5. Real quickly, then we're done. Mark chapter 5. Because I want you to leave here with one thing today and one thing only is that you believe. And that you only believe him. One of the rulers of the synagogue, synagogue came, Jairus by name. The name Jairus means enlightened one. He's a religious leader, but he's not enlightened yet. But Jesus is about to enlighten him on a few things. He's about to teach him real faith. Because it's easy to believe for, thing, for things when things are going okay. But when things aren't going your way, that's when your real belief is tested. And so he fell at his feet. He fell at Jesus' feet and begged him, saying, my daughter lies at the point of death. We know she was 12 years old. Any of you here have a 12-year-old daughter? Come on now. She's, it, it said that she was sick unto death. And Jairus said, Jesus, he, first he worshipped him. That was a pretty big thing for a religious leader to do. But he came and he worshiped Jesus and he said, come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed. So he believed something. He believed that if Jesus would lay hands on his daughter, she would be healed and she will live. And so what did Jesus do? What Jesus always does when you come to him and worship him and ask him for help. He comes to give you help. comes to give you help. And that's another message I used to preach is help is on the way. His help is on the way. So what happened? They start to go to Jairus' house. But then the woman with the issue of blood who seems to come up at every service at Grace Church. <laughs> is this an inside joke? 
<laughs> she comes and she tugs at Jesus' garment and he stops. And just like everything we believe, not everything, but most things we believe for and we're trusting God for and we believe it's coming, what happens? We get an interruption. How many of you know there are interruptions in life? How many of you, your, your day's really going good and that cell phone rings and you see the name? And you're like, I don't hear anything. An interruption. But the great thing about Jesus, and if you read about his, study Jesus' life, his life was full of interruptions. But to him, an interruption was an opportunity. So when that phone rings and it's that name that you don't want to talk to, pick him up and give him Jesus. Get into agreement with them now. Whatever it is, that mountain's going to move. Don't let them sit there and have a pity party with you that lasts too long. Say, stop right now. In Jesus' name, we're going to believe together that this mountain's going to be moved, that this cancer's going to leave, that this debt's going to disappear. I heard a testimony this morning. I, don't, I didn't hear it directly, but uh, Jack. Our Jack, who got into that motorcycle accident, who, by the way, uh, was supposed to not have a leg. And you know what? Let me, let me, I'm going to share that in a second. So Jesus went, and there was an interruption. Put up the next scriptures in Mark chapter 5. While he was still speaking. So why Jesus, remember the woman, she tells the whole story. My wife preached about that. And Jesus is saying, your faith has made you well. People from Jairus' house come and say, stop bothering the teacher. Stop troubling him. You know what? How many of you, if you hear that word, you're like, no, I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep believing. I'm going to keep bothering him. How many of you can be an irritant to God? I mean, I'm, I, I'm telling you, I am. Sometimes I want him to say, that pain in the neck, just give it to him. If you worked in the church, you would know that when one of my staff can't get through something to customer service or something, guess what they do? Pastor Joe, uh, for some reason, we can't get through, and then they back away. Because I get on that phone, I talk to computers. I'm like, shut up and give me somebody. And the computer's like, yes, sir, I will right now. <laughs> I've made computers be nice to me. Because I get so riled up. And sometimes I, I take it overboard, don't I, hon? I, I get a real person, and I think they're a computer, and I still yell, yeah, what are you doing? Hi, my name is Kerry. <laughs> I'm from Iowa. And uh, <laughs> I've had people cry, and then I go, I'm so sorry. Wait a second. Can I minister to you right now? Oh, yeah, I've done it, right, hon? I end up, and then I put it on speakerphone just so my wife knows. No, I, I said I was sorry. But you keep, you know, I... I, 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 when I call, I, I want an answer. How many of you like that? Be like that. Be tenacious. That's what Caleb's name means. That he, like he's tenacious. You know, when I was a little kid, I always wanted whatever my brothers and sisters had. And they said that when I was a little kid and I was in my crib and my older brother and sister got something I didn't, I would go like this. I want some. I want some. I want some. Like some of the first words, I, and then if I didn't get it, I would go like this. <laughs> I 
I still do it now with Alicia. I want some. But you know, I held my breath when I was looking around. Is somebody coming to get me soon? <laughs> but sometimes we need to be that way. Don't bother. Yeah, I mean, people say that. Like, don't bother. You're bothering God too much. As if it bothers God that we come to him as his children. Sometimes my kids, how about your kids? Like, they, they, they don't even ask you. Like, they do, and, and they don't realize if they would have just came to you, you would have done it for them. I can only say that now because none of my kids are here except Josh. <laughs> but you know what I mean? If you, you know, you know, I asked Grandma for $50 and she gave it to me. And I said, oh, if you would have asked me, I would have gave it to you. Can I have $50? Your grandmother gave it to you. It's your problem. But to, do you know what I'm saying? They were like, why trouble him? And it says, as soon as Jesus heard that word was spoken, he heard that negativity. He said one thing. He said, only, Jairus, only believe. You know what? Sometimes you can only believe. Now I'll get back to Jack, who was in a terrible motorcycle accident. I know he loves when I bring his name up. <laughs> you know what? I love to bring up the stories about people that have no interest in you sharing it. It's the best. Because they can't stop me. Now! He got into this car accident, motorcycle accident, with a car, and uh, he went to the hospital, and all they were saying was that he was going to lose his leg. And everybody at Grace Church was saying, uh-uh, uh-uh, we're not in agreement with that. Only believe. Only believe. Only believe. And I'm telling you, when we all prayed, we knew that that was a bunch of nonsense. I knew Courtney wasn't going to let it go by for not even a second. Teakin Courtney was not allowing that. And Erica and our pastors, I, and my wife, I knew nobody was letting that get by. No, 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 To the point, hey, doctor, shut up. And if we were in his room and they said that, forget it. There would have been a fist fight in there. So the word, negative word was spoken. But we said we're only believing, only believing. Now, I don't know if this is true, but from what I heard, there was also huge doctor bills that came out of nowhere. And, and all you guys did was believe. And is it true that they were erased? Yep. Hallelujah. We're not talking 5,000 or 10,000 or 20,000. Can I hear 30? Can I hear 40? More than that. And all they did was believe, and God took care of it. See, because when they first got it, they could have freaked out. Jack could have robbed the bank, and we could be praying for his bail money right now. But all they could do was believe. And sometimes that's all you can do. And you know what? That's not a bad place to be. That all you could do is believe. Amen? Let me tell you something about Grace Church, this beautiful building you're in right now. July 27th, it was just something that God told me to do. August 27th, we had our first service in the hotel. 
But we were believing for more. But words kept coming, interruptions. We were in the hotel for a little while. And I mean, I, was, I almost broke because <laughs> I, I was doing it all by myself. I was, I, I would, I would, the, the service was at 10.30, so at 7 o'clock I would get up, I'd put my little baseball cap on. I go into my garage, pack the sound system, the nursery, the children's church, all into my Yukon, drive it over to the hotel, get a U-boat from the hotel, come out, pack everything on the U-boat, bring it back into the church, see the lady at the counter who doesn't want me there because the, the youth were ripping apart the restaurant in the hotel on Route 1. And uh, every day she would tell me, you're going here, you're going there, you're, and, and she would just do it just to get in my skin. And there, was a, a, and there came a point, I'm telling you. And so when I would come back home to go back to church, I'd have to say, honey, please come to church. Because <laughs> she hadn't bought in yet. But praise God, she has now. She's actually surpassed me. Gee, now I'm trying to catch up to her. <laughs> but you know what? Please come to church, hon. It's not going to look good if you and the kids don't come. So get her to come, you know, and I take a shower after I'm convinced she's coming. I'm going to take a shower, get to the church, have our one-man band worship, preach till I'm sweating to death. <laughs> then everybody goes home, and I'm sitting there with the sound system, the nursery, the Sunday school, put it back into my thing, go back home, doing it week in and week out, month in and month out. And there came a point where I was just like, oh, my gosh. And God said to me, only believe. Only believe. Next thing you know, we move into this place over in Lions Plaza. It's a strip mall. We moved into this little building next to a, in between a restaurant and a salon. I was like, after church, if you want to get your hair done or something to eat, where it's a very convenient location. We would air for like, after we got it like 10 days in, I go in there to start rehabbing it because I had to, you know, rehab it. It was a brothel. It was a brothel. Ten days earlier, before we got the place and moved in, the FBI had moved in. Yeah. And I remember being there, and, and Ricky and, and Alana's first husband, Frank, were there with me. They were the leadership at that point. <laughs> and we said, can you believe this? It's a because when we went in, we, there was like different rooms <laughs> and weird stuff in the rooms. <laughs> I was like, I, I am just, and, that, and then we saw in the paper that there was a big bust. And I remember saying, this has got to be God. And I just laughed. And we knocked everything down. You know, for a couple weeks, there was some strange guys coming during the week. <laughs> Step right in. Jesus is here, you know. <laughs> oh, it's the truth. So we were there, you know. And, and then one day, Ricky comes to me and says, Pastor Joe, I found our building. Found our building. And it was this building. It was a visiting nurse association. And now we have visiting nurses with us. <laughs> How many of you here are nurses? I need first aid. I need first aid. We have visiting. It was a visiting nurse building. It ended where that first little light is on the wall there, and our stage was right where that exit sign is. That's where we used to have uh, 
the, the uh, band and where we preach from and all that kind of stuff. And so we were sure we were going to get this building. I called the church in New York that we were under at that point. I said, buy this building. We'll rent it from you. It's phenomenal. We'll pay you. You'll pay the, the rent, uh, the mortgage, and you'll make money. And it was true. It was a great deal for them. But the, the person, <laughs> I'm not going to even, the person who was negotiating the deal wasn't doing a real good job. And the deal fell through, and I got on the phone with her and treated her like a customer service representative. What are you doing? <laughs> anyway, then I repented and said, I'm sorry. But um, we lost the building. Somebody else came, put a bid on it. But do you know that Frank and Ricky never, never doubted? They said, Pastor Joe, what is the matter with you? This is our building. And I was like, you don't understand, man. They take it. It's a <laughs> No, I was upset. They said, no, this is our building. God said, this is our building. So you get to a point where all you could do is believe. But sometimes you have to take action. Many times you have to take action to show God you believe and to show yourself that you believe. So here's what I did. <laughs> and many times what you do is really weird. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Sometimes it's crazy, but you do it anyway. So I got my Honda, my little green Honda, and I pulled up right in the front here, and I came in that driveway, and I said, I'm driving around this building seven times. <laughs> and I said, this is the God's honest truth. And I said, in the seventh time around, I'm going to shout so loud that the bagel shop's going to collapse. I am mad about this. This, all right, it's our building, then let's go get it. I went Caleb on this building. So, I got my little green Honda. Don't try to, you know how long it takes to drive around a building seven times? It takes a really long time, number one. But as I was going around, each time that I came out this part, I was facing the bagel shop, and, the, and, and people were out there, and then the second time they saw me again. So a few people started to gather there and like, what is he doing? And I was like, I don't care. I'm going around again. I got in the seventh time and I opened my windows and get ready. I just went, ah! Yeah, I did. Then I came back around and said, oh, my God, what the heck did I just do? <sighs> no, I said, it's ours. And what was it, honey? A month later? They called up. I didn't even have to call. They said, the building is yours. You know what? A delay is not a denial, and an interruption isn't a no. But because... Frank, and I love Frank. He was the first person to ever come alongside me in this church. He went to be with the Lord seven years ago. It's Alana's first husband. But he said to me, Pastor Joe, that's our building. Frank, thank you. <laughs> He's watching. He's watching. He knows. He knows. He knew. He didn't doubt in his heart. 
He knew. And then I started to know. And you know, it's the same thing, Jairus, eventually the interruption was over. Jesus had only believed to Jairus. Then he went to Jairus' house and the girl had died. But if you believe, guess what is impossible? Nothing. Abraham, it says in, in, Mar, in Romans 4, it says that he wasn't weak in the faith. He didn't think about his body that was dead when God said that you would have a son. He didn't think that he, about being past the ability to have a child. He didn't, he didn't think about the fact that Sarah's womb was dead. He did not waver at the promise of God, but he was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. I, I want to tell you something here. You only believing to others gives glory to God. When people see you in a situation where all you can do is believe and they see you doing it, it gives God glory. It gives God glory. When people say, how are you getting through this? Because I believe. And I'm not going to waver. Because I'm fully convinced, like my father Abraham, that what God says, he will do. He's able to do it, and he will do it. And someday, somebody, you or someone else, is going to need that kind of belief. In April of 2003, when we were that little church over there, <laughs> I hired a guy to work on my house. He was a contractor. It was one of my uh, rental properties at the time. I went to the place to meet him. His name was Attila. Attila was in the living room there. I walked in. You know, of course, I want to see how much he wants to charge me. Of course, that's the first thing I want to know. So I come in to see him, and he has, he's got a look on his face. He's like as white as a ghost. The kind of look if he gave me the wrong price. But uh, he, he had this look. He was just like, it's empty. Just, I said, Attila, what's the matter? He said, I just got back from the doctor. I have stage four cancer. They said, I have three months to live. And for some reason, at that time, I was just strong in my faith. Maybe because of everything that I had been through at the church. Of the devil trying to rip it out, take my dream away. And I said, no, uh-uh. I'm not in agreement with that, and I don't believe that. And of course, the next most important thing, I brought him home so my wife <laughs> could second that. And she said, no, no, no. And she just started praying for him. And then the next Sunday, we had him at church, and he was there for the next five years. And he's alive and well right now. Because nothing is impossible for God. I don't care how far gone it seems, nothing is impossible if you would only believe. Now let's make sure that everyone here is saved right now. Nothing's impossible for God. If he can take a drug dealing, Rikers staying, suicidal, 27-year-old and turn him into a pastor then he can do much more with you. He's the God of the impossible. And if you think it's impossible for you 
to spend eternity in heaven? Let me tell you something. It's as quick as just believing right now, saying this prayer and trusting him. So bow your heads with me. I want, listen, if you die tonight, none of you are going to die tonight. We're all going to die one day. Are you 100% sure that you'll spend eternity in heaven? Ask yourself, be honest. Do you know what happened to the first man that brought his son to Jesus? And he's, Jesus said, if you can believe all things are possible. The man said, I believe. And then he said some of the greatest words you'll ever hear in the Bible. He said, but help me with my unbelief. See, if you're honest, and you know what Jesus did then? He healed his son. Why? Because the man said, this is where I really am. I want to say I believe, but help me. Help me with my unbelief. If you need help right now with your unbelief, you're struggling to trust Jesus, ask him for help right now. Help me believe, God. Help me believe. Now, as we say this prayer, Jesus died on the cross for your sins. His blood was shed so that you might be forgiven. He took the punishment that we all deserve because none of us are right. Jesus was the only person who lived who never sinned. He died. He became sin that those of us that do sin might become right in God's sight. And all we have to do is trust that. And then we are saved. We are set free from sin. We do it by praying. So let's pray this together. Say, Father, I know that Jesus is your son. I know he died on the cross for my sin. I've made mistakes, God. Forgive me now through what Jesus did. I receive him into my heart. I believe in him. And I know all things are possible to him who believes. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody keep your eyes closed, your head bowed. Just for a second. If you said that prayer and you meant it, you want to trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior. No one's looking. Raise your hand right now. Raise your hand to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. Hallelujah. Anyone here? Praise God. I pray with your hands up and I can't see it. You'll come up later and receive prayer.